Liturgically, we have a Sunday during the Easter season, which we call Good Shepherd Sunday, and we focus a lot on that imagery of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. In fact, the gospel for that day is Jesus saying, calling himself the Good Shepherd. However, today there's a lot of uh, imagery around that sort of same topic as well in all, across all of our readings. And the first reading from Jeremiah, bear in mind, is from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant between God and his ancient chosen people, Israel. And he's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, saying that the people of Israel, his beloved, have been led astray. And there's that wonderful uh, line from the book of Isaiah, which uh, I think is uh, memorialized, if you will, by, uh, by Handel in Messiah. All we like sheep have gone astray, every one to his own way. And that's one of my favorite parts of the piece, because the music really matches the, uh, the sentiment of the words and seems to conjure in your imagination sheep running in all different directions. So people are prone to this wandering, and God is especially displeased that the people of Israel have not just wandered on their own, but they have been led astray by those who should be uh, leading them to, to him. And it's very specifically directed at those uh, ancient chosen people. What a change then when we hear from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he's specifically writing to the Gentiles, saying that we once were two different people. You were the circumcised, we were the circumcised, you were the uncircumcised, and we had this difference between us, we had hostility between us, but that's all changed now. Now, bear in mind that in the very beginning of the Christian movement, which wasn't called Christian at the time, it was called the way. Of course, Christian was a derogatory term that the Romans came up with that we just sort of adopted. But in the very beginnings of the way, most of Jesus' followers were naturally Jewish. And there was a great debate in the early church about just who was allowed to be a Christian. Some things never change. Um, in this case, um, they were concerned about Gentiles, letting in the Gentiles. Well, uh, a lot of people thought that um, to be a Christian, you had to be uh, a Jew who converted or who accepted Jesus as the Son of God, but still kept on with, with, with Jewish practices and traditions. Well, as we can see, that didn't really take. Um, it was about 100 years into the whole thing that it became very obvious that Judaism and Christianity had parted ways and that Christianity, though based in Judaism, was its own separate and distinct religion. But even then, uh, there, was, there was trouble. And so St. Paul is saying to these uh, people of Ephesus, these Greeks, look, we once had this mark of distinction between the two of us. And while we may still have these physical marks on our bodies, they are meaningless to Christ. Just as he also says in another place, there is no longer male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek. He really tries to make a point that in Christ, we are all supposed to be one creation, brothers and sisters. 
And St. Paul is not the only one. You know, for generations now, uh, preachers have been, I, I think, railing on this. And especially uh, today, we can see more and more examples of, uh, of divisiveness and people finding ways to scatter the sheep. And we can think of any number of examples. It could be gender, nationality, skin color, ethnicity, language, immigration status, you name it. There are all kinds of human constructs that we, have, that we use as barriers to keep us separate from our brothers and sisters. And we can clearly see through the scriptures, and especially today, that that is not God's will. So Jesus, in the uh, gospel reading from Mark, is with his disciples. And you remember a few weeks ago, he sent them out. It was sort of their first time out. And I, I imagine this to be like when I was in seminary and uh, middle of year, you have to spend 10 weeks in a hospital. So you're like the trainee chaplains. And they just send us to the hospital. And I felt really bad for the people who were in the hospital beds who couldn't get up and leave. They have all these trainee priests and rabbis and ministers knocking on their doors wanting to chat. It was often awkward. Uh, it was a good experience, though, in, in retrospect, but, uh, but difficult when you're, you're sort of sent out for the first time. And so that's how I imagine these disciples who had no kind of theological training other than that they followed Jesus around for a while. And they were fishermen and all kinds of other things from, from life before they became his disciples. So they came back to tell Jesus what they had done and what they had taught. They were probably excited, but they were also exhausted. It said they, were, they had no leisure even to eat. And so Jesus was trying to get them away from everybody to, uh, to have just a, a time for rest, because that, that's very important too. But even then, they couldn't get away, because now the people not only recognize Jesus, but they recognize the disciples as well. And they see these, these guys walking around, and they all want to flock to see them. And so even though they go across the, the water on this little boat, the crowd runs around the lake and meets them on the other side. And, but instead of being angry about it, instead of being frustrated, Jesus has compassion because he said they look to him like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, people desperate and uh, searching, searching for something. Someone people without an anchor, you know, a ship without an anchor type of a thing. And so many of them wanted to just touch the hem of his garment and be healed. And so that is what happened. He, wherever he went, they brought the sick to him in villages and cities and farms, and they laid them on the mats, and all who touched his cloak were healed. So how does this figure into the whole story today. Well, Jesus, as St. Paul said in the reading we heard earlier today, is the chief cornerstone. We are on standing upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And we as human beings are often so tempted to go our own way, often so tempted not to to want to follow the will of God, but to want to follow our own stubborn wills, 
to do our own selfish things, not thinking of others or God. I remember in Sunday school we had an acronym. The word joy, J-O-Y, stands for Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And I remember I didn't like that when I was a child. I thought, well, that's mixed up. But it really isn't, is it? Because when we think of Jesus as the chief cornerstone, as the anchor, as the great shepherd, as like that beacon, a lighthouse type of a thing, where we can go in, in times of trouble, but also in times of joy. That person, that uh, part of the Godhead who became human, who shared our lives, who understands what we go through day by day, who understands uh, what it's like to do ministry in the world, to be amongst the people and to try your best to help them. Now, most of us, all of us, I think, don't have the ability to simply heal people. I wish we did. But what we can do is try to follow Jesus' example of tirelessly reaching out to our brothers and sisters who need us. And I don't just mean the economically, financially poor. I don't just mean the uh, physically ill. But there are people all around us every day who are in need of some kind of healing. Now, for the longest time, I confused healing and curing in my head. You can be sick, and sometimes we have People have terminal illnesses, and they're not cured in this life. But they can experience, and we with them can experience a type of healing, a type of spiritual healing. And again, it's not just people who are physically ill, but people who are around you every single day who put on a a smiling, brave face, but inside are in need of a little love a little understanding, a nice, a friendly look, a a nice uh, word or two from you, some encouragement. So let's never fail to to remember Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. And remember also that we can't just, you know, cross our fingers and wish and have Jesus fix everything. We are in this world now, in these bodies, walking around in our lives, and we have free will and we have agency to do things And we can choose to put Jesus first, others second, and ourselves last. Or we can choose to put ourselves first and mix it all up. So I pray that we as uh, fellow sheep will also serve as each other's shepherds. Because we all have Jesus in us. We all have his spirit imbued within us. And so we have the power to act with God's will, if only we have the will to do that. And so let us look around, around our lives in the coming week or more, and just try to find some people, like the people in this little town of Gennesaret, who were desperate for something, desperate for some love, for some reconciliation, for some healing, for that loving touch of Jesus. And let's just do it. It's not hard. So I leave you with the image of Jesus as the shepherd of the sheep, the one who has no other desire but then then for his flock to be one, to be whole, 
and to be together in his loving embrace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.